This morning, I have the privilege to share a reflection, not a, not a full message, but a reflection uh, from the scriptures, which, which if you are a regular attender, you know that um, we try to work our way through entire books of the Bible, and if not verse by verse, section by section, um, exposition and practical application. So that's not what will take place today. But I think what I have prepared will both both celebrate the Lord's faithfulness with you to our church, renew our vision for why this church and really every church when it is constituted begins and continues and, um, and is faithful, uh, but also I hope uh, not only to remember the Lord's faithfulness and to renew the vision, but to ask the more challenging question, uh, is this my vision for God's purposes in the earth today? First Peter chapter two, I'm gonna read beginning in verse two of first Peter two through verse 12. This is God's word. May he give us by his spirit grace to listen to it. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen, precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up, note his language, as a spiritual house. A spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, Peter quotes scripture again, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct 
among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Thanks be to God for his word. Anniversaries offer us opportunities to remember and celebrate God's faithfulness, be renewed in our vision, and recommit to Christ's amazing purposes for our lives as articulated in the vision found in Scripture. There's something special, isn't there, about reflecting on the past? And this is especially significant considering our cultural moment where it does seem that the natural and TikTok-ish orientation of the present is more toward the future, isn't it? But anniversaries, church anniversaries in particular, are an expression of God's kindness to us because it gives us as a church and it gives God's people an opportunity to remember his faithfulness, to celebrate Christ's purposes in our lives, to be renewed in his vision and recommit our lives to it. So as we walk through this passage, this scriptural vision that dates all the way back to Daniel's serving Nebuchadnezzar in that ancient kingdom of Babylon, to which Isaiah will pick up the refrain again of this stone that becomes a kingdom that fills the earth of which God's people join it. And then, of course, Jesus in his unimitable way commits the unforgivable sin and says, I'm the stone. I'm the stone Nebuchadnezzar saw. I'm the stone Isaiah prophesied about. I'm the cornerstone to which now Peter heralds again, quoting both the Psalms and these Old Testament references to bring perspective to his audience, an audience not unlike us, that is tempted to forget God's faithfulness because of present circumstances and difficulties due to being Christians in a culture that rejects it. So as we go through this, I want you to ask yourself the question, which of the five values highlighted in Peter's scriptural vision excite you the most when you think about your church, whether that be Crossway or the one that you would regularly attend. 
the end of our message, we're going to share a video. And each of the people whom we were able to coordinate time with the videographer to be interviewed, they share their vision of what excites them about the local church and their experience here. And each one, although complimentary, is unique, different. So which of Peter's values excite you? And which of the values Peter writes do you find most challenging to live out of? And why? And which are, as we conclude, of these gracious priorities are we most thankful for as we celebrate 20 years together? Excitement, challenging, gratefulness. This is Scripture's vision. This is Scripture's vision from the oldest pages of sacred text to the new covenant. It hasn't changed. It's remained the same. Of course it has because it emanates from and leads back to Christ. Let's look at the passage together. Peter begins in verse 2, reminding his audience that God's purpose for, for his house, the church, local and the church universal, where Christians gather to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, is to be first a word nourishing Household, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed, quoting Psalm 34, you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter's vision of God's spiritual house begins with the word nourishing work. Of scripture. And it is to this word that Peter wants these believers to which God by his spirit through his word urges us to have an urgent passion for in a world of podcasts and social media streams and and binging on Netflix. Could there be a more timely reminder? that it is the word alone to which Christ by his spirit says to the spiritual house of God, this brings life-giving nourishment. I love the sound of babies in our services, don't you? I love when they interrupt the meeting too. They're loud, piercing cry for nourishment, I assume, or diaper change. Doesn't seem particularly concerned about timing, convenience, or the people sitting next to them. When was the last time for me, 
my need for the scripture was like that of these infants. That I, incited by my own spiritual hunger, did an inconvenient thing, turned off what I'm listening to, put off my phone, interrupted my list of important to-dos, got up a little earlier, went to bed a little sooner, drove a little slower, whatever the expression would be, and said, Lord, I'm opening my Bible. Nourish me by your word because I am part of a spiritual house that is being fed by these words too. If you've been at Crossway, it's been our desire both by example, through teaching and preaching, in our life groups, in our classes and discipleship settings to keep the word of God burst because it's to that that Peter says nourishment comes. Friends, let's never lose our hunger or passion to taste the goodness of God, verse 3, as we open up the word of life. The second aspect of Peter's vision is that it's Christ exalting, verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone, speaking of Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The vision continues in chapter two where Peter describes Jesus Christ using the language reminiscent of the the building of the temple in the Old Testament, the dwelling place of God where, where people drew near to God and offered sacrifices to God and received instruction from God's word. Jesus, inspired by, inspired as Peter is by the Spirit, is described as a living stone to which we now are called and urged and invited to come to. In fact, Jesus, who it says is rejected by men, but chosen and precious by God, now takes Christians and makes them into living stones that are being built up to be a new temple, a new priesthood, a new spiritual household for the people of God. The point of these verses, I think, which is good news, is to remind me and you perhaps that the beauty of the church is found in the grace of God. Does that surprise you? It surprises me. Because it is anchored in the most gracious gift 
God has ever given. Jesus, God's one and only Son, my Savior and yours, if you have turned to him by faith and put your trust in him and repented of looking to another or even yourself for the forgiveness of sin and salvation, Jesus, the cornerstone, and his work is the foundation and the beginning of everything in the Christian life. And so when we gather, we work hard, don't we, Crossway, to exalt the name of Christ, amen? Or boom. Because the next amazing reality of this vision mentioned in verse 9 is an experience of God's grace as God, through Christ, by His Spirit, relates to His people. Verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, because of Christ, because of what Christ has done, because of the call of the gospel, because of the, the work of the spirit through the gospel, wherein we're given a new heart. And from that new heart, we begin to live out a new lifestyle. And we begin to walk that out with others in the midst of a spiritual household called the church. At the deepest level, we are amazing. We are amazing, not because we are amazing, but we are amazing because God's grace has transformed us. So when we celebrate Christ, we are in a sense celebrating the amazing experience of being graciously loved, mercifully forgiven, righteously clothed through faith, indwelt by his presence, joined with other people and part of a household, a spiritual house that makes much of Jesus. Early on in my ministry, some of you remember this. Thankfully, I got some tough correction on my messages. And often they would arrive during my day off on a Monday. You know, on a day off on a Monday for a pastor, you want to be pampered. You're looking for, you know, pumpkin pancakes or whatever they're serving at the Kings here. And, and I remember one, which was God's kindness to me. We were in Galatians, I believe. <laughs> and the correction basically said, you concern me. I think I was cutting my lawn or picking up leaves. Why? Because you're lessening the value of God's grace in the Christian life. And you're beginning to sound legalistic. Now, 
I could have sloughed that off. I could have told that person that, that I was having pumpkin stuffed pancakes and he could go stuff it. I could have done many things. But in that moment, by the Spirit's presence, I knew I had missed entirely the purpose of God in the earth today. If we're to exalt Christ, it must be to both experience and then share the experience of his gracious, forgiving, merciful, empowering presence with one another. Amen? How else do we understand these verses that we would proclaim the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light? As one person wrote, and I read this week, as the people of God belong to Jesus, they are completely undeserving of that love and affection. But as they belong to Jesus and understand the beauty of his mercy and grace, they now experience Jesus and can herald his reality to all who draw near. The fourth characteristic, gospel proclaiming building on each one. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. Crossway, the reason God planted this church, which you know, is not only to herald the gospel when we gather, but when we scatter to proclaim the excellencies of him who saved us. And so yes, in life group last week, when a sister shares how she's proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus to two strangers in a store I frequent, I thought, yes, this is why we're here. When a person comes to you and knows that you are a Christian or go to church or are living in a way differently than perhaps those around you, we are there in that moment. It's a precious moment, isn't it, to share the excellencies of the gospel. It's as simple as the five fingers gospel we presented to our children 20 years ago. Christ died for our sins, therefore, Receive him by faith and repentance. Peter's vision concludes, having talked about a word nourishing, Christ-exalting, grace-experiencing, gospel-proclaiming, spiritual household. He concludes in verse 11 with this simple reminder, I urge you, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Perhaps this is the one we all need to personally consider, especially in light of our rapidly changing world. Their identity as the people of God, having, having received the amazing grace of God, should produce an obedience and righteous conduct and loving of others that in a living world will be attractive and stand out for Christ's glory.
Peter knows that lurking under my heart and the heart of every Christian are passions that, that wage war against this, this supremacy of Christ in my life. But here it is, I am called to abstain or keep away from those desires of the flesh that would cause me to disobey the clear teaching of Holy Scripture. And instead, very personally and applicably, live my life for Jesus's fame. Someone asked recently for me, it was kind of him, fellow Pastor Bauer, how can I pray for you as a pastor at Crossway Church? And boy, I thought for a moment, I said, pray that I would be godly and that that wouldn't be dependent on my role. Just godly, just faithful, just Christ-exalting. Peter urges us that our vision for God's purposes would be marked by obedience rooted in a word-nourishing, Christ-exalting, grace-experiencing, gospel-proclaiming people who for another 20 years will remember his faithfulness and celebrate his amazing purposes and recommit our lives to the spiritual house he is building. When this vision for the spiritual house was first shared, it was with a a king, one Nebuchadnezzar, and it landed as a nightmare in Daniel 2 because the vision of the spiritual house to which Christ was the chief stone, it toppled all other kingdoms and in turn filled the earth for his glory. When Jesus preached that same vision and said to those listening to him, I am the fulfillment of that to to Jewish leaders and elders. I am the chief cornerstone. I am the promised Messiah. Of course, he was rejected. When Peter preached in Acts 2 and then again in Acts 4, He reminded his audience that there is a living stone. There is a cornerstone to which we can turn to and receive mercy and find help and fulfill God's purposes for our lives. And on that day, he said, and there is no other name in heaven by which we can be saved. And on this day, on Crossway's 20th anniversary day, we say with scripture, the grass withers, the flower fails, but the word of God and the people of God remain forever because Christ is the cornerstone. And it's to him, Lord, that we look and trust and depend on. Let's pray. Lord, things are often not what they seem 
in our day. And so we are thankful that during this anniversary, you give us this important moment to celebrate your faithfulness, remembering, Lord, what you have done, and being renewed in your scriptural vision. Recommit our lives to Christ and to one another. Lord, we are thankful, Lord, for your vision of our lives as captured in the pages of Scripture. And we would pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us to be shaped by these gracious priorities as we walk together for another year. And Lord, as we, as we conclude this time, we are thankful that the invitation remains the same. Come to you, come to Christ, and find in you, Lord, the life, the forgiveness, the perspective that we need for our lives and our church and our future. To you be the glory as we walk out Scripture's vision. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen.